Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I wanna collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Jess, and welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen. This is a beauty podcast. P.S. Jess, somebody uh, just DM'd me, or no, she emailed me, and she and she said, and she put it in quotes, a beauty podcast. So it is sticking with people. I know it's annoying that I say it every time, but you know I'm trying to get us Google index searched higher, so. Okay, all right. Well, okay. you know, one day, one day. All right, listen, this is an exciting one. We are going to be talking all about color today, and that, I mean considering we talk about beauty all the time, makeup and, you know, all kinds of um, color. I would say it's not even color adjacent. We talk about color every single episode. Um, We decided to devote an entire episode to it. When we were reworking, um, reimagining, redoing our logo, um, color came up constantly. And, you know, what does color say? What does this color say? What does that color say? What do different colors communicate about 
who we are and, you know, who we imagine ourselves to be. And Jen and I just, like, we talked about it a lot. So, yeah, Because, I mean, with cosmetics, you always think, okay, red, the color of cosmetics, but even just the branding, like the packages that we see on the shelves of Ulta Beauty and Sephora, Mm -hmm. like Jess and I will see trends, and I'm sure you guys do too. It's just a a fascinating topic. Um, So we found someone to talk to. Hair too, right? Like, why why does someone want to be blonde? They get obsessed with being blonde, blonder. That's too... I heard somebody the other day being like, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, my like my natural blonde. Like, I hate my natural blonde. Like, I want to be like... A, and the, what they wanted to be was like a hair shade lighter. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God. It, what do all these things communicate? I think our guest, Lauren Lebrecht is her name, would have been fascinated too because I've heard from people that like a yellow blonde says one thing, like fun, lively, but like an icy blonde says another one, like rich bitch, whatever. Like even the <laughs> tones of, of certain colors communicate something without you even saying it. And this is basically what uh, Lauren Lebrecht studies. She's an assistant professor of marketing at the University of Rhode Island. She got her PhD in marketing from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Her primary research focus is sensory marketing, and we'll get into with her what that is, but specifically color. She also happens to study social media engagements and online interactions as they pertain to marketing, which I think is very timely right now, especially the way brands communicate with you, the customers, through direct-to-consumer marketing. Um, And she's on the editorial board of the Journal of Interactive Marketing, Psychology and Marketing. Journal of... Okay, a bunch of journals. She's like a very well-respected, well-published researcher in this field. um, And we're so lucky to have her. So let's learn more about Lauren Labreck and what she does and have a very colorful episode. Professor Lebrecht, welcome to Fat Mascara. That sounded very, very professional, didn't it? It did, yes. <laughs> okay, or Lauren, we should say. We are so excited to have you on the show. Jess and I talk about color all of the time. It's such a huge part of our jobs, the beauty industry, but we've never really talked about the marketing side of it and the science behind it, so we're, we're excited to have you. I know you focus a lot of your research on color um, and how it affects people, but how did you even get into this line of work of studying what you study, like marketing A and color B? Um, so it's kind of a, a roundabout story, but I actually started uh, my first college journey was actually in art school. So I was at Parsons mm. School of Design and at uh, the American University of Paris studying art and design. So I love art and I love color. It's always been important to me. Um, and uh, I guess at one point I decided I didn't want to be a starving artist, and that might be the pathway that if I continued art school. So I actually moved into the tech field, um, but I then went to get my PhD. So I actually did um, database uh, development and web development and more of the, the tech stuff, got into digital marketing. That was like a hard turn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we went from starving artist to, you know, paths to starving artist to digital marketing. Like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, so when, actually, it's funny, I was in Paris and I was studying art and I'm like, you know, having the, the dream of Paris, I'm eating baguettes and drinking wine and eating cheese every day and just like living the life. And uh, my brother was in uh, digital digital media and he sent me like this website he made and I was just blown away by this. This is like early 2000s. And I said, oh man, I'm going to be a serving artist and my brother's going to like change the world with this tech revolution. So I, I, I was interested in tech anyway, so I decided that was the sort of way to go. And then somehow in there, I got more into the marketing side of it as opposed to the developer side of it. And uh, I decided uh, to get my PhD. People convinced me. 
that I should go get my PhD. And uh, while I was there, you have to come up with a dissertation topic, right? It's supposed to be something that uh, has been not studied before. So of course, at first I'm drawn to tech and it's the, you know, now mid 2000s. And, uh, you know, tech is pretty hot. Um, A lot of stuff is going on, but I actually went back to the art uh, because as I'm looking, like everything's kind of going on in the tech, everyone's writing about tech. And I looked in the marketing literature and there was like nothing really written about color. So there was like this huge gap where no one's really studying the impact of color. And I knew, you know, just from experience and from my art training, that color is so impactful and important. I said, how come we're not studying this in terms of how it affects consumers, right? We're all consumers, Mm. right? How does it affect us, you know, behaviorally? Of course, in marketing, we're more, you know, we we talk about the sort of the consumption, but also, you know, how we use products, how we consume products, whether we buy products, mm-hmm. how we dispose of products, like all of that is part of marketing. Anyway, so I went back to look at color and there's like nothing there. And uh, it's interesting because like in the 20s and 30s, people were talking about color and its impact. And then there's this big Like gap. the 1920s and 30s? Yeah, like old psychology okay. journals. They're talking about you know, things like yellow is a happy color and these sort of color associations. But no one's really talked about it in sort of the 20s and 30s to the 90s, I would say. A couple people started talking about it in the 90s and then like no one's talking about it again. So I said, this is really interesting. So I decided to do my dissertation on color. Uh, Specifically, I looked at how color impacts uh, perceptions of a brand's personality so kind of like yeah. human personality, brands have personalities, right? It's, if you could think of a brand as a human, like what kind of personality would it have? Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked at how color of packaging and logos affects our perceptions of that brand's personality. And it was a great dissertation because uh, suddenly everyone is into color. It's one of the hottest topics that many marketing researchers are looking at now. So I'm often... Uh, cited because you were I, ahead of the curve. I was ahead of the curve, exactly. Yes, I, I picked a well, good topic. Or ninety years late, whichever <laughs> yeah. you want to call it. I just think that's so yeah. weird because I mean, I know that you're ta- doing your dissertation in like the mid, you know, early two thousands or you know mid two thousands, but it's just so strange because now, like, I feel like people talk about brands more than they ever did. You know, pe- personalities or brands like we, you know, as I mean, like the royal we, like individuals are supposed to be brands, like 19-year-olds are supposed to be brands who like yeah. don't even know, you know, what they want to do. They're sitting in their bedroom and they're like, well, what's my brand? You know, like the fact that people weren't thinking about color even at that time seems like a tremendous miss. Did you think that at the time or like what what, what was <laughs> what was going through your mind? Or were you just like, I really like color. That's cool. Yeah, no. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's really funny how you brought that up because at the same time, so I, I never got away from the sort of tech part of it. Um, at the same time, I actually wrote a paper about um, how people use the internet and social media to create their own personal brands. And it was one of the oh, first wow. papers talking about personal branding online. So that's another yeah. one that I got, you know, again, a little bit ahead of the curve there. But yeah, I mean, it was just su- extremely surprising to me that, again, there's like, I mean, like a handful of papers in marketing. In psychology, they've, they've explored it a little bit, but in terms of marketing, I mean, it seems like this lowest hanging fruit possible, right? Um, Completely. You know, yeah. One of the cheapest things you can do is just use color. Right. You don't even have to like, you we, could anyone well, I mean, use color. You don't have to, you know, pay for it. 
And we, and we want to ask you about both your research and some of that psychology that plays into it. But I was reading one of your older, maybe it wasn't an old paper, one of your papers talked about this terminology, sensory marketing. So just like to give background to our listeners, what is that? And is it at play in the world of like beauty and personal care? Uh, definitely. So sensory marketing, it's its kind of like not just color, but this field of sensory marketing kind of exploded in the early 2000s um, where people started to, again, it's kind of like a low-hanging fruit, right? People weren't really studying how the senses impact, again, our purchase behavior, our consumption behavior, um, how we view brands and products and people, I guess, as services, right? Um, so sensory marketing basically looks at how to utilize the five senses to create, again, uh, experiences or products. So um, I tend to focus on the visual. I like color. Um, there are people who kind of devote their research career to looking at how scent impacts um, consumption uh, behaviors and how you view certain products or people. So all the five senses. And like, it's very interesting because brands are doing it. Like brands have been doing this for the longest time. Um, but the academic world, I guess, didn't really look into it in a systematic way up until, I would say, like the early to mid-2000s. You know, so for instance, uh, hotel brands, right? Hotels want to have a consistent look and feel across all their, their properties. So if you go to a Marriott in Chicago or you go to Marriott in Paris, when you walk in, you're going to have the same, like, sensory experience. The colors are going to be similar or the same. Uh, you might even recognize the smell of the lobby, right? These are all ways that marketers use to create the sensory experience. Um, it's interesting because I found out uh, as preparing for this podcast that Marriott actually has a signature scent they call a tune. And you can actually buy like a little um, scent diffusers and candles and all these things. That's the Marriott scent. So you can make your house smell like the Marriott, which I found a like, little strange. I get that with like La Serenus and like some Positano hotel. I don't know. I did not know Marriott had one, but okay. Yeah. Like I got a link where I got a link. I put down, I couldn't believe it. Like there's all these Marriott scent diffusers and candles. And I'm like, mm. okay. I, I can't <laughs> remember what a Marriott smells like. I haven't traveled in that in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, allegedly it's supposed to smell. I have it here. Like apple and grapefruit mixed with jasmine, rose, and cedar. So Ooh. yeah. Okay, it, Marriott. It, it sounds really nice. Yeah. It does. So that all, that whole Putting together a brand in the five senses, that is sensory marketing. That is sensory marketing, yeah. So, I mean, brands are doing this, and maybe they're not, like, systematically thinking about it. I mean, some brands do. I know, like, BMW, like, they have a whole engineer team that thinks about the different sounds. Like, so when you uh, click your turn signal or the when the door opens, like, all these sounds are, like, crafted in a way to make a consistent sound for the brand, if that makes sense. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no. So you go into a BMW, like you hear that sound, you recognize it as I'm in a BMW. And, you know, they also have Mini as part of BMW. And it's like the sound engineers make it so it's distinct, but it's like there's kind of a commonality, if that makes sense, right? But they're like, every little sound in that car has been engineered by a master engineering, sound engineering team. That's fascinating. Okay, well, these are all kind of like learned or like, you know, these are kind of specialized things that are created. These are sensory experiences that are like created by by man so that we learn, you know, okay, if you're in a BMW enough, you know that like, oh, that's like the click of my, my that's that's the thud of my trunk or the the probably the soft thud of my BMW trunk. But, you know, <laughs> if you, you know, are just a normal human being, are there any 
when it comes to color, is it like we are born thinking soft baby blue is soothing? Or are these like conditioned <laughs> responses? It's almost like when we just like, I just have to say this because I feel like I'm, there's such a, like, I feel like I've asked this, but I've asked this of perfumers. We're like, is the scent of chocolate chip cookies comforting? And they always jump in and they're like, no, it's because you associate it with grandma or something like that. Is it like that with with color? Uh, yes. Uh, and so color, so color basically um, has kind of two different uh, ways that we bring meaning from it. And I would argue that most senses do too. I would say that the chocolate chip cookie, you know, the sense like is the same way, right? So one is sort of the embodied meaning. And this is the more sort of biological stuff. Like um, we have these sort of biological reactions to color Mm -hmm. that we can't really explain by learning or learned associations. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the other one is learned associations, right? So to talk about like more of the biological stuff, for instance, there are studies, like if we're sitting in a room, um, depending on what color the room is painted, you will, your body will physiologically react differently. So if I'm in a gray room right now, but if these walls were red and you have like measuring my, uh, my pulse, uh, my blood pressure, heart rate, um, if this room was red, you would see an increase in all mm. of those measures versus say a gray room or, or a blue room. Um, so that's like a physiological reaction to the color. And it's not necessarily okay. really like conscious and we didn't learn it, right? Okay. We just have this reaction. Another great example is uh, how light is used in sort of light therapy. So um, some babies are born with jaundice. So they have like this mm-hmm. yellow pigmentation on their skin, yes. which is actually caused by um, some substances in the blood, right? That hasn't properly broken down and kind of makes it appear yellow. So um, what they do, I actually have a niece who was born with jaundice and they took her home and they had this little suitcase. It was like a light suitcase and it had this blue light. And they would put the baby in the light light suitcase and she would be exposed to this blue light. And the blue light actually like broke down this thing in the blood and cured the jaundice. So the light actually reacted to the human body. Wow. So so again, that's more, it's obviously not a learned thing. That's a physiological or embodied response. Um, A lot of the stuff that we talk about in color research tends to fall more, I think, on the learned associations um, which I refer to as sort of the referential meaning. So it's something that we've learned over time. You know, so for instance, if you're at school, grade school, right? You get back a paper and it's all marked in red. Oh my like, gosh, yes. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, I did terrible. Like, you know it's bad, right? Yeah. Most well, yeah. we're writers, so we get edited oh. and that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's like you see red and you freak out. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a learned association. And then like most, you know, danger signs and stop signs and things like that, those are all red. So we've, we've learned that red is kind of bad, right? It's a fear. Um, it signals fear or trouble or something's not right, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's also contextual because red isn't always bad, right? We see red as being the color of passion. So Valentine's day, roses, chocolates, right? Lipstick. Lipstick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. Like, so red has positive, uh, you know, connotations in different contexts. Okay. Yeah. I got it. All right. Jess said baby blue and soothing. What's that about Jess? Do we have to dig into your psyche? <laughs> no, I just, no, I just think like baby, like soft pastels. Like I just think soft pastels are like 
very soothing. Or like I could have chose baby pink or lilac or soft yellow. Is there something to that? Yeah. Something that's easy on the eyes, you know? Yes. So there is something to that. I mean, um, there is a whole, you know, uh, environmental psychology um, research out there that looks at things like, you know, what are the appropriate colors to paint a wall, let's say in a hospital or somewhere to make it, you know, a calming environment or a soothing environment. And pastels do tend to soothe. Um, there's a special color out there called uh, Baker Miller pink. And uh, it is a very light pink. And that also has been actually studied and shown to calm and soothe as well. So, Ooh. Wait, yeah. are Baker and Miller people? Or are they jobs? The guy baking the bread and the mill and the wheat? I need, like, <laughs> why Baker Miller? So random. Oh, um, so... If you don't know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put I, you on the spot. I do know. I'm trying to remember the... Um, so it was actually a study that was done... Oh, geez. It was, a, I think, a Navy facility. And the, the the scientists who did the study, I think they got the permission of whoever was in charge. That was their name. It was Baker and oh, Miller. Got um, it. Yeah. And I think it's Baker. I'm sorry. It's either Baker Miller or Miller Baker. And I'm, like, questioning myself which one. I'm not, like, a— Only Baker and Miller will care, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a specific, again, this, like, really light pink where yeah. it actually has been scientifically studied. Um and it calms people down, which I can talk about more about it as of how it calms you down if you're interested, of how people use it. Do you want to know a little more about it? Yes. Give okay. us a couple lines. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. So um, it's really fascinating. Um, so there are a few sports teams that have actually painted their locker rooms in this specific shade of pink. And it's not their locker room, but they do it for the, um, the opponent's locker room oh. because they want them not to be, yeah, they don't want to like, be strong and aggressive. They want them to be like calm, right? And it's part of this study because they found that people, again, were sitting in this room, it's kind of calms them down, it soothes them down and makes them like passive. Competitive psychology on the opposing team. I like that. Yeah. So there's a couple different uh, sports teams who have done it. It's actually, there's a controversy around one of them because people said that it was kind of a, like a, a gendered thing and that they were, you know, calling them girls or, you know, making it pink. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so there's a little uh, controversy around uh, at least one team's use of the color pink. Fascinating also, I guess Kendall Jenner uh, painted at least one room of her house in this specific pink because this specific pink has also been shown to be an appetite suppressant. <laughs> so it's calming <laughs> and it also helps suppress the appetite. So yeah. if you're on a diet, like paint your kitchen, Baker Miller pink? Yeah, and I'm, now I'm seeing it. I think it's Miller Baker. But yeah, that pink. Paint it <laughs> that pink. It's kind of like a light. Interesting. Almost almost like a, I want to say Pepto-Bismol. It's like lighter than Pepto-Bismol, but okay. it's kind of a, that Isn't kind of that pink. millennial pink color? It's kind of millennial pink, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Yeah, and I mean, this, <laughs> this, this pink, this research in this pink actually was done a really long time ago. I think it was first, oh man, I'm going to, maybe botch this, but it was like in the way before I was born. It was like the sixties, I think, that they started looking at the this specific pink and they found the, the effects of it. Got it. It's interesting too, because there's also research showing that uh oh like a uh, black, like again sports teams, like when you're wearing black, mm-hmm. the sports teams that are wearing black are oftentimes seen as being more aggressive when they wear black. Hmm. So so there's research that actually looked at and they looked at like the number of like um, fouls or whatever. Um, is it? Fou- I'm not a sports person at all. 
Me, me, uh, fouls is a general okay. term. So they looked yeah. at the number of fouls that the teams got when they were wearing black versus another color. So they were actually called out with more fouls when they were wearing uh, the black. So they're being seen as more of an aggressor. Everything else the same, just the color of the Everything uniform. else is the same. So like they have like their home uniform and their away uniform. And one of them was black and one was not black. When they're wearing the black That's- uniform, they were seen as more, more of an aggressor. Interesting. Again, I'm not in the sports literature at all, but I find it pretty fascinating. And so, so obviously it affects your own mood with painting the walls, like you're saying. It affects how other people see you with the, with the um, referees you were just talking about. Are there any other examples of how people treat you differently when you're wearing, di- is it like, could you just be wearing different colors? Yes, um, there are. So um, it's really fascinating. One of my favorite studies um, <laughs> Uh, out of this researcher, Andrew Elliott, out of the University of Rochester, who looked at, well, basically he had a a woman, the same woman, uh, stand on, pretend that her car broke down and she stood on the side of the road with her broken down car trying to wait for help. And uh, what they did is they did it over like multiple days and they had the same woman and all they did was change the color shirt she was wearing. And they wanted to see whether or not the color she's wearing affected how people treated her. And what do you know? (laughs) So <laughs> when she was wearing red, uh, a larger percentage of men stopped to help her versus when she was mm-hmm. wearing, I think it was blue and green were the other colors that she, she used. Um, so just by simply wearing the color red, more men wanted to come and help her. Not women. And what do you attribute to that? But not women, but not women. Yeah, so I didn't do this paper, uh, but he attributes, and I agree that he's, this, is, this seems logical to me, is that this is, there's like a biological thing going on with red. So red kind of signals kind of, you know, sexuality. And I guess, you know, uh, women who are sort of more red in the face or they, they're there, they have more, um, uh, I guess it's a signal of fertility. Or f- yeah, flushing. Right, yeah. yeah. Arousal. So just like, it's a non-conscious thing. Like men aren't thinking, oh, she's wearing red. I think she's hotter, right? It's like they see the red and it just kind of signals these sort of biological... Go there, go there. Yeah, go there, go there, help. Okay. He also did have another one where he did it specifically for dating too. So he had did the same thing. Like he showed pictures of different women. They're wearing different color clothes. Same, same exact woman, same, like he Photoshopped it, right? So she's in the same pose, looks exactly the same. And uh, more heterosexual men wanted to date and found the woman wearing the red shirt attractive than when she was wearing the other colors. I mean, just <laughs> as beauty editors... You could talk about this forever. Like, there's red lipstick, there's red nail polish. There's a reason these colors, like, we keep coming back to, right? It might be the same biological impulse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, okay. everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. 
Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X, and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less. They're $39.90. But the quality is excellent, and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, They have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Okay, everyone... I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's Joanna good. Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. That's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just (laughs) going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves 
will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. So you mentioned, you know, I do think that it was funny that you mentioned like the popularity of this Miller Baker paint, um, which we're just going to like, you know, I'm just going to call it millennial pink for, for fun right now. <laughs> sure. I mean, that is the color that for like the past, you know, five years just like won't die. It's definitely like on the, on the downslope, but I'm still seeing it. What do you think? attributes like wh- why do you think that's so popular and like, wh- like why why do we see you know so many colors like rise and fall in popularity that's a huge question but like let's start with millennial pink and go from there start with millennial pink i don't really know the answer to millennial pink i think that well so yours just, is an appetite suppressant and it calms you down so that's like <laughs> well yeah you know, that's what i'm it's just like plus one a, plus one it's like a nice color um yeah, it's like not a fence. I, I don't think it's a, like it's not a bright pink, right? It's kind of like a more muted pink. It's a neutral. It's a, it's basically yeah. it's a neutral. Yeah. But I mean, if if it calms people down and it, you know, appetite suppressing, like you said, um, like, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> um, like I, there's nothing like kind of offensive about it. I don't know. I, I can't. Okay. I don't know the answer to. I don't know the answer yeah. to the to the to the millennial pink, although. We talked. We were talking about the the Gen Z green. I had mentioned that to uh, to, to you because I read somewhere that like green is the new pink. What do you think about that? So I think that's interesting because you have kind of like that this calming, you know, millennial pink that's kind of everywhere and out there. Um, I mean, like if I look at in certain Instagram accounts of like top celebrities, I see like the pink, like it's just kind of there everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of calming and soothing, right? And I think this Gen Z green is almost like a kind of, ha, I'm going to be opposite. Like a, I'm like a slime kind of, green? Like a, like yeah, a I think Billie, Billie Eilish, Eilish kind of green. Before yeah. her new revamp. Yeah. 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 Now she's yeah, like sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like this lime green or this really intense green. And it's kind of like the opposite of saying like, I'm not going to be boring and neutral. Like I'm going to be in your face and fun and a little yeah. more exciting. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a big thing about green and, you know, uh, greenness, like eco-friendliness and recycling. Oh, yeah. And Gen Z, I know, because I, I, I teach Gen Z. They, uh, they're very much into saving the earth and sustainability is important to them. So I can see the green kind of signaling something like that as well. But I also think it's kind of maybe a little more, you know, in your face. I want to be exciting and different. Yeah, I don't know, like, how deep, like, it goes sometimes. Like, I like that extra layer, but I don't know if people are like, and I'm saving the planet, you know? I just feel like, (laughs) but I I like what we're saying. Yeah, no, I think the, it's not the people thinking they're saving the planet, though. I think it's the brands. Like, a lot of brands are using greens. Yes, yes. Not not necessarily, I mean, a lot of beauty brands are, but beyond beauty brands, like, so many brands are kind of using greens or using these like more muted shades mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. signal like, or try to signal like, oh, I'm eco-friendly or I'm recyclable right. or I'm sustainable. And I think that people, we we kind of see, I, I'm actually doing some research on this where we don't necessarily like, again, overtly or consciously 
say, oh, it's a light color or it's a green, so therefore it is earth friendly. Mm-hmm. But like in our minds, we have that association. So we are, if we are earth conscious, we gravitate towards more of these neutral or lighter colored packaging um, or green packaging because we think in our mind, like there's that association that it is somehow more eco-friendly or sustainable. So yeah, like talk talk to me about that with, you know, you know, when beauty brands, they'll often work with, you know, trend forecasters, futurists, and some who work, you know, specifically, it's very niche, but with color, Um, you know, you have a, a really specific line of work, but there are, you know, these, you know, futurists who just do, you know, kind of more visual work. And they're talking about like, okay, here's going to be your color palette for, you know, 2023. And they will be tasked with coming up with like, you know, such and such brands line of nail polishes. Where, like, are these forecasters like ever right? Do you suspect that they're ever right? And like, where are they pulling these like rabbits out of hats from? Yeah, that's a great question because that, that's actually one question that I looked into when I first started this dissertation work. So I'm like, who are these people, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. how, how did they get this authority to say what the color of the year is, right? Yeah, we see that. Yeah, the pan, exactly. The pan, that's a great, like, practical example for listeners who are like, what is she talking about? The Pantone color of the year. And it will be like, um, Jen, what was like a Pantone color of the year? Why can't I think of one right now? The, like this year, like, this year, there's two. Oh, keep going. It is like, it's just like gray. And then there's mm-hmm. this like bright yellow. And what like, what was the significance? Okay, academic thoughts on that, please. <laughs> <sighs> well, I mean, I'm. I, I well, I think that they're um, they're kind of signaling like we're getting out of this gray COVID period, and the like. They're supposed. I think that their rationale is like the yellow is kind of like the future, and mm. sort of the you know sunshine is all around the corner. Okay. Like we're making it through. And I kind of think that's why they made the exception of doing two. They, I think they've done it a few times where they've done more than one, but typically mm-hmm. it's just like one color of the year. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah, where do those guys, where do they pull that information from? What are they doing? Looking yes. at culture? So it's, yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. So there's, um, there's a few like groups. So there's different colors of the years and different groups predict them. And they tend to, you know, be pretty consistent, but they're not always exactly the same. So like there are these like nonprofit groups or uh, I guess um, associations, right? Where professionals, design professionals, you can join and they all get together and they discuss sort of color trends and do this forecasting. So like the color marketing group is one. There's uh, the Color Association of America and then there's an international one. And I know that the color marketing group, I was going to try to go to their conference where they, again, they just kind of like have this conference and they all kind of sit down and talk about what they're seeing and the trends and, and this, cool. you know, yeah, like weekend or something, they kind of come up with like what they're forecasting the new trends are going to be for the next year. So that kind of gives you some insight into how they do it is like they're basically looking and to see like what's going on out there, right? And they're all kind of coming together and, you know, discussing what they're seeing and looking for patterns and trends emerging from just observing the world and what's going on. Um, so it's kind of circular, like these trends are identified through looking at what's happening out there, like what people, what colors people are using. Billie Eilish, you know, dyed her roots uh, this green, right? So maybe green is trendy, right? So they see all mm-hmm. these things and they they see people using the millennial pink or whatever have you. Um, and so they come up with them and then they kind of have a consensus and they say, this is the color of the year. And of course, people see the color of the year and then they create all sorts of products and, you know, that's the new shades of, of nail polish, like you said, it's right? Like, so it's a circular. It like reinforces itself the trend yeah. that's already happening. Fascinating. 
Do, so I we've also that. noticed not just like nail polishes, but like in packaging, to brand packaging. Um, can you take us through what you've learned with regards to like, this is the first thing you said you studied, like what a brand's package and logo um, conveys to a consumer? Like what would different colors say to someone? Right. Okay. So yeah. So my, uh, so my dissertation work, I look specifically again at brand personality. So I mean, you could look at other things like, again, like green signals, eco-friendliness, right? But I specifically looked at, um, again, sort of these human characteristics that you could associate with a brand is what brand personality is. I specifically looked at, there's like a five of them, kind of like the big five personality. You guys familiar with that? Like human personality? No, no. No. Oh, really? Um, Go on. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a pretty, so if you Google it, you can take a quiz and find out like how you fit into the, like what's your personality type. And I'm going to like- No, thank you. Oh, no. (laughs) So and I'm going to, maybe I'm going to botch this because I don't really study the big five too much, but there's like um, agreeableness. uh, Like there's one about like being exciting or adventurous. I can't remember what it's actually called, but like how agreeable, how exciting. And then there's like neurotic is one of them. That's the bad one. Um, So there's, there's- (laughs) Right? There's five different, five different, you know, f- uh, dimensions of like how your personality fits, right? You can take a okay. little quiz online. So like brands, uh, a researcher, Jennifer Archer, came up with uh, sort of the five for the brands. And those are competence, sophistication, uh, excitement, sincerity, and ruggedness, right? So I looked at those. Okay. So those are kind of like the five brand personality. So I looked okay. at those, those are the things that you want to be if you're a brand. Well, those are like the f- sort of personality traits. Yeah, okay. I guess. So if you want to, so for instance, you might want to have an exciting brand, right? So how there are different elements, visual elements, color being one of them that I could use to make my brand seem exciting versus a sincere brand. Let's say. Okay. I understand. Can you give us examples. Uh, give you examples. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, all I thought of was Red Bull when I heard exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, for instance, I'm uh, I'm actually drinking this. I don't know what brand makes this. It's Coca-Cola. It's called Aha. It's like sparkling water. Yeah. Right. So I think this is like trying to be exciting. This is actually it's a yellow. Ca- it's it's a like ca- bright yellow and lime green. Yeah. It's a caffeinated water and it's got bright colors. And their packaging is kind of like stands out when you go into the grocery store. It's these bright yeah. colors and... Uh, says to me, this is exciting. Like, I mean, like how much more exciting can it get? (laughs) I'm trying to scare you. Yeah, it's not just like the colors they choose, but like the brand name itself. Like, so what name you choose, aha, is very exciting. Whereas, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I can't think of a good one off the top of my head. Like Dove is very like soft and sincere. Yes, totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. So all these different elements kind of combine to uh, make that personality perception and color played into that in your research in what way? Like like yellow and green are exciting? I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Yeah, yeah. No, um, yellow is a little exciting. It, it, so it's um, so it's interesting. Yeah. So what I did is I like I took different like these fake logos and I just showed people different color versions of these logos and said, if you saw this brand logo, like what would you think about this brand? And they answered these different questions that assessed the personality of the brand. Right. Kind of like if you if you looked at this package, how would you, you know, this can of sparkling water I'm drinking. Like, what do you think about it, right? Right. Say, it's exciting. I found that there are different colors or different um, hues. So, so far we've just been talking about color as like red, green, and blue and stuff, right? When we talk about uh, color, we talk about the hue is like, again, the red, green, blue, yellow, orange. That's what we're talking about. 
Mm-hmm. But in addition to like the, the hue, um, there's also two more dimensions. There's uh, value or brightness, which is actually like how white it is, like how much white is in the color, okay. how light it is, kind of like a pastel versus like a not pastel. Right. The other one is saturation, which is like sort of like how intense the color is. So like how much orange pigment is in this, this orange, right? Is it like a yeah. very orange? Well, we've orange? all filtered photos. I feel like everybody's. Familiar. Oh yeah, desaturated. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So in my research, I looked at not just the hue, right, like the name of the color, like are, or is it a red or a green or a blue, but how these other ones also impact perceptions of uh, personality. So what did I find? So of course things you know worked out. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, <laughs> so, so for instance. Um, Exciting brands tend to use like more um, of the warm colors, like your reds, orange, um, yellow are seen as more exciting. Um, Competence is like blue is a highly competent color. So, and it makes sense almost from a learned association standpoint, because if you actually look at like um, bank logos or the colors that, you know, banks and tech companies use, they're all like tend to be blue, right? And it's seeing sort of competence and intelligence. Sophistication was a cool one. Sophistication, uh, black is highly sophisticated. Purple, highly sophisticated, um, and also pink to an uh, to a part. And it's mainly because the sophistication, um, the way they measure it, it kind of has like a feminine side to it. Like there's some questions about femininity, so that's also a little bit sophisticated. And uh, sincerity uh, was like sort of your whites and things like that. And in terms of like the the value and saturation, so how white it is and how saturated it is, um, for instance, uh, sort of the lighter pastels, so the high value ones, tended to be seen as more sophisticated, okay, um, and more and more sincere. Uh, like more highly saturated colors are seen as more exciting. For instance, so you're like your really red reds and your you know intense oranges, yeah. right? So kind of cool things like that kind of emerge. It, so I, I think it plays out a bit in the beauty world. And I know you and I talked about this before, just I gave you a couple like beauty brands to look into. And now I'm curious because our a lot of our listeners will have a visual of what these brand logos look like. They go in Sephora and they see them in their colors. I'm curious if it lines up with your research. So could I ask you about a couple brands? Sure. Okay. So first up, one of our favorites on the show is Charlotte Tilbury, which is like rose gold and gold, and there's like a chocolatey maroon brown, I think I would call it, in there too. Did you take a look at that? What did you think of their uh, I, I personality? Did. Yeah, so definitely um, I got a mix of like sincerity and sophistication in there. Okay. So um, like, again, like the high, the light colors, the high value colors, sort of the, sort of the gold tones and more of the lighter colors are again, are, you know, linked to sophistication and luxury. Oh, she would love that. Yeah. <laughs> and also there's, and not in my research, but there's another uh, researcher who looked at tipping, like in a tipping contest in a restaurant. And they yeah. found that um, when the like bill that you get, the bill fold with the bill in it, when it's gold, people tip more because people associate gold and metallic colors with uh, luxury. Oh, hear so, yeah. that waiters? Change out your little thing for gold. Right. You get higher tips. Exactly. Okay, maybe that's what Charlotte was going for with her luxury. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what about something like Drunk Elephant? They've been like, they kind of changed the game and use all these like bright rainbowy neons. 
but they weren't super saturated. I don't know how to explain it. What did you think of that? Yeah, so like they were slightly confusing to me because um, <laughs> they like a lot of their products were more like high value, sort of more kind of like you said, not super saturated, more like a lighter uh, pastelli, right? Yeah. But then, and there's a lot of white too. They don't just use like all the bright colors like in their packaging. Like they have a lot of white too, so it's yeah. not too bright. So it's kind of keeping it like more sort of grounded and down to earth. Um, but then, you know, there is like a, some of them are really super bright, saturated colors. And on the website, like when you roll over the images, like these bright colors pop up. Um, so they're trying to, I think, get like some like sophistication and sincerity, but really like, but we're not boring at all. We're exciting. We're like new and exciting. So that's to me was what those bright colors were kind of signaling out there. And then, well, then my last thing would be like, literally, I feel like every skincare brand that launched in the last 10 years was pastel pink or beigey. I'm thinking of Saturday Skin, Glow Recipe, Kylie Skin, Function of Beauty. That's a hair brand, but still. they. Did you look at those websites? Don't they feel like they all kind of start to blend together sometimes? They do, yeah. It's, and uh, what are they conveying to you or to us? Yeah, so again, I think like the... Um, the like lightness of the pink, sort of this natural tone, the natural sort of lightness, I think is trying to be more, you know, sincerity. Like it's a wholesome, like it's good for you. It's not going to damage mm. your skin. That's kind of what the the lightness uh, kind of says to me, but also it's, again, it's not bright. So um, it's sophisticated as well. So sophistication, again, in my research, the sort of more pastel colors were seen as more sophisticated or glamorous and luxurious. You're making me think before we before we ask you a couple of personal questions before we go, I was thinking about like, have you ever seen any good examples of like a big fail, like a brand that like changed its color or made it the totally wrong color of a product inside the bottle? And, yeah. and tell me yeah. about the failures. These are my favorite things to hear about. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, uh, like unfortunately, the only failures I could think about were... Um, not beauty. They were actually uh, food so products. Yeah. yeah. So um, they're and they're both cola brands, right? So Pepsi failed miserably once, and Coke also failed. Not maybe not as miserably as Pepsi, but um, if you remember, in the early '90s, they launched uh, Crystal Pepsi. Yes. Yeah. I I personally was excited about Crystal Pepsi. It was cool. But, right. It was cool. I, I wish they I wish they bring it back, but um, and I'm not a so Pepsi Crystal, person, but it was cool. I, I'm not either. I don't even drink soda, but I, <laughs> so they basically made, you know, uh, Crystal Pepsi was clear Pepsi. And that was their whole thing was it's clear. Right. Um, and so they took out like, it was, I think it was supposed to be more natural. So they took out the artificial coloring, like the caramel oh, coloring, that the brown. I think so. Um, I, and, I thought it was uh, just like, we made it clear, you know, <laughs> I just remember getting a big two liter of it. And then we just never had it ever again. I feel like it was a, it was before its time. Like if they did it now, people might be more apt to like drink yeah. it because everyone wants like like no artificial flavors and colorings and all that. Um, but then it was like again because of learned associations. Like we have such a strong association with colors and tastes that when you yes. change the color of something, you change the taste. So yeah. when I would think it would taste like lemon, even if it wasn't lemon. Exactly, and you know, and I and that's what ha- what happened. And people just it flopped miserably. And like, I've done experiments where I've changed the color of beverages and give them to students. And like, I, I've made lemonade. It's just lemonade, right? And I've put in food coloring to make it purple. And like, I'm not even kidding you. Like 40% of the people 
will tell me that it tastes like the purple Gatorade. It mm-hmm. tastes great to them. And it's just, just lemonade. Just purple. Yeah, just, just I feel like they do that with lip balms, like flavored lip balms sometimes. Like I'm convinced they're not really flavored. It's just like, oh, you know, like Bonnie Bell lip smackers. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the color and the smell, like they all come, they, all these different sensory experiences come together to form your perception like, of like I don't like flavor. white cheddar. I hate white cheddar. Mm. It needs to be like, like, like hot orange cheddar cheese for me to like enjoy it. I would grill cheese. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but if you closed your eyes, you probably would have no idea. Probably not, but I know. <laughs> we we used to have a question about favorite ice cream flavors that we would ask guests. Oh, perfect, and there was like a big example. debate between white mint, mint chocolate chip oh. and green mint chocolate chip. First of all, which camp are you in? <laughs> I mean, I probably would go for the... I probably would go for the green just because I... Good, I, thank yeah, you. Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> all right, you get to stay for but the next portion of the But that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, and uh, there's another great study where they had wine and they did this a similar thing. Like you guys have had wine, yeah? Like yes. red wine and white wine taste completely different, right? They have different, completely different flavor profiles. They actually added red food coloring to white wine and people asked them to describe the flavor. Jess is giving thumbs down. <laughs> oh, I was like, what's going on? Um, they, they described the flavor of it and they described it in terms of like red wine. Oh, weird. And like cherries and berries and fruits that weren't yeah, even in there. and like the tannins or whatever. Exactly, yeah. That's so they used funny. words that were. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Color I mean, is think about crazy. Perfume, too, there's certain perfumes that I'm like, if it's like if it's a citrus perfume, you better make it look yellowy or something. Like if it's like purple, I'm not going to think it's citrus. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a big deal. Like color signals to us, like our expectations. Like and my mm-hmm. other example is Coke, right? So Coke, um, kind of similar real quick. They like changed the packaging um, around Christmas time where they made their holiday cans. They made them all like silver and white and they just had like silver and white bears on them. Uh, but they kind of like- Oh, for- we know the Coke bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. But they kind of <laughs> they, they kind of forgot that like they use silver and white to signal Diet Coke. Like regular Coke is red. Oh. So people were buying this Coke. This oh, they got upset. Coke. They got upset. Yeah. Like I used, to, I used to look on social media and people would be like, I'm diabetic and I picked this up and it's regular Coke. It almost killed me, you know, because we learned, again, this association that the oh, red can is the regular- it. Right. Yeah. Red is regular. Okay. So, so that's another. No, fail. that would feel diet. I totally get it. But also read the can, people. Like, uh, yeah, read the can. But <laughs> like we again, like we use color to like communicate things, and we use color to like understand things. And if you like change it up on someone, you know, you're gonna you're gonna mess it up. This has all been really valuable information. Um, Especially for my makeup looks going forward, I think, as well. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm wearing red lipstick if I ever need help on the side of the road. I don't know. <laughs> keep, a red, keep a red T-shirt yeah. in your trunk. That's what um, I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. We have some questions for you. This is our Fat Mascara 5. It's really quick. It's really fun. And it's just going to help us get a little bit of a sense of who you are as a person after work when you don't have your you know, academic hat on. Okay. What is the beauty product you first remember falling in love with? Oh my goodness, that's a hard one. Doesn't it have to be love? It yeah, could yeah, just it could be just like, like one like you were a fan of, like that when early you were younger, memory. or just one of them. Just you know. one of them. I'm gonna, uh, man. I'm gonna say this is gonna sound really silly. This is like not even. It's like, hmm. say it. Well, it's like it's like not even. I don't think it's like a 
beauty product per se, but I really like this brand Tokidoki. I don't know if you know Tokidoki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tokidoki? Yeah. Yeah. So they came out with like Tokidoki, like lip glosses and stuff that like, I just couldn't get enough of these Tokidoki lip glosses. Like I had a whole bag of these Tokidoki lip glosses because they were just like fun and different and like sparkly. And I love like the, the sparkle of them. Yeah. That's like the one that stands out to me that I kind of got obsessed with. Chic answer, Lauren. <laughs> like most people are like, lip smackers, dove soap. She's like, tokidoki. I like it. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. If there was one rule that you wish everyone would follow, what would it be? God, your questions are so hard. Um, <laughs> one, like She's one, treating it like a test at college. I know. Yeah, like, I must get the right answer. Didn't she do like a dissertation? I didn't think these were hard. Oh my God. Well, that's, well, that's the thing is like, we, I think about things for like a long time before I write. That is your that. job. That is your job. I get <laughs> it. And I don't usually take tests. I give tests. So, <laughs> so one rule, I mean, like I, the one rule is I, I wish, well, I don't know. It's just like, it's not like a rule, but it's like a, it's like a social rule. Just like be patient and like, well, I, I wish people would just be kind, but like, like wait your turn. Like people are so yes. like anxious to get places, whether it's driving or like trying to cut a line or something. Like just be respectful mm. of the queue and wait your turn. Wait your turn. Okay. I like that. What is your most indulgent <laughs> snack? I don't know. I really like, I really like Dove chocolates. Oh, just like the is little like boring? single wrap Dove, Dove chocolates? Yeah, like they've got this dark chocolate one. It's like a dark chocolate truffle. And it's like melts in your mouth in a way that no other chocolate I feel melts in your mouth. Like Ooh, even- got to get to CVS. Dove, sponsor Dr. Labrette. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, because I've, I've seen um, branded placement in t- a TV show I was just watching for Dove Chocolates. And that's literally how the character described it. So well done. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah, it's usually like a woman having like a quiet moment to herself with a Dove Chocolate. Yeah, it's like the, the dark chocolate truffle one. It just like literally just melts in this magical way. Okay. What is the most, your most favorite, what is your most played song on your favorites playlist right now? Uh, I think currently I'm into Fantagram and I would say it's probably Blackout Days. Okay. A whole whole new personality comes out here. I love this (laughs) non-academic side of you. Thank you. And then... Okay, she thought the other ones were stumpers. I feel Uh-oh. like this is she's not gonna like this one. If there were be, if there were to be, I can't read anymore. If there were to be a movie made of your life, who would narrate it? Three for a loop. There, she thought we were gonna say who would play you. Yeah, that's what I did think that. Um, who? Nope. Would, it's almost who would like she had an answer it? at the like a tip of her tongue. Like she was ready. Oh my god, who would narrate it? I would want Morgan Freeman to narrate it, of course. Oh, I take a number. <laughs> I feel like they were like, people, people always say that. <laughs> like, I mean, just think of narrators. Do you put like, backup? If he's not available. <laughs> if he's not available, it's got to be a good voice. Um, you can have Morgan Freeman. Okay. We'll let you. Yeah, I oh, feel like I'm, I'm busting your chops. I'm busting yeah. your chops. I'm sorry. It's like a, it's a serious <laughs> thing. Like the person who's going to narrate my life story. I feel like that's a damn like, good narrator. Yeah, he's yeah, the best. He picked well. Yeah. 
Okay. Thank Thanks you for so sharing. much. All, the, all your research and a little bit about yourself. Thanks for coming on the show. This was awesome. I've oh, learned a you. lot. I've learned a lot. I feel like I'm going to look at every brand now differently. And I'm going to look up these five these five qualities. I'm fascinated now. I'm going to oh, look yeah, at every five. Yeah, I'm going to be looking at brands through a much more um a much more like not discerning. Like critical, through, yeah. A much more critical lens. A critical lens. Mm-hmm. Like what are they trying to make me think? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I know. Really cool. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 